Hello, and welcome to the Text and Us podcast. I'm your host, George Fricks, and I'm here with my co-host, Al Grover Fricks, to resume our discussions in Exodus chapter 27. That's right. We are chugging along through the uh, building of the tabernacle and all the items there within. We are. Uh, yeah. So let's see what this week has in store. Yeah. Chapter 27, Scroll of Shemot. Here we go. You will make a slaughtering place of acacia tree, five ama in length and five ama in width. The slaughtering place will be a sprawling square, three ama in height. You will make his horns upon his four faces. From it shall be his horns. You will make him shine with serpentine bronze. You will make his boiling pots for his fat, his shovels and sprinkling vessel, and his flesh hook and his snuffers for all of the clinking things that you shall make serpentine bronze you will make for it a lattice work a serpentine bronze net you shall make upon the net four rings of serpentine bronze upon its four boundaries you will give it under the edge of the slaughtering place beneath it the net will be up to half of the altar you will make lone pieces for the slaughtering place lone pieces of acacia tree you will make them shine with serpentine bronze you shall bring the lone pieces into the rings there will be the four pieces upon the two ribs of the altar to carry it you'll make it hollow with polished slabs as was shown you in the mountain so you shall make it you shall make the court of the abiding place for the Negev corner southward hangings for the court bleached white linen woven with many threads. A hundred ama in length for one corner, his pillars twenty, his pedestals twenty of serpentine bronze, hooks of the pillars and their links of silver. Likewise, the corner of the north and the length of the hangings a hundred long, his pillars twenty, their pedestals twenty of serpentine bronze, hooks and pillars and their links of silver width of the court. For the seaside corner, hangings, 50 ama, their 10 pillars, their pedestals, 10, the width of the court of the east from the dawn, 50 ama, 5 and 10 ama, the hangings for the shoulder, their three pillars and their three pedestals, the second shoulder, 5 and 10, hangings of the pillars, 3, and their pedestals, 3. For the gate of the court, a woven hedge, 20 ama. Violet and purple and scarlet, bleached white linen woven with many threads by a weaver. There are four and four, four pillars and four pedestals. All the pillars around the court linked of silver, their hooks of silver, their pedestals of serpentine bronze, the length of the court, a hundred ama, the width 50 and 50, the height five ama, bleached white linen woven with many threads, their pedestals, serpentine bronze. For all the clinking things of the abiding place in all his service, all the pins of the court, serpentine bronze, you will command the sons of Yisrael. They will bring you clear, pressed olive oil for the light to send up the oil lamp always and the tent of meeting outside for the barrier which is before the testimonies Aharon and his sons shall prepare it from evening until morning before the face of Yahweh a carved statute of vanishing eternity for their eras from the sons of Yisrael this is the word of the Lord thanks be to God Another riveting portion of uh, how to set up a big tent. Right. And if you have not read this passage before, congratulations. You are checking the boxes. Right. You are now in the top one percentile (laughs) of Christians. Ever. No. Uh, (laughs) No, I mean, we have continued to find cool stuff 
uh, each chapter. Yeah. If that doesn't happen this time, you know, we've been going strong. Uh, But but I have middling faith that we'll find more uh, once again. So I presume just one big section. You haven't split it up into parts. Correct. We got 21 verses here. I didn't think that it was worthwhile to try to divide it into portions to help with the reading. We're just going to go all the way through from beginning to end. Sounds wunderbar. Yeah. Uh, What's the first thing that stood out to you from this chapter, George? Okay. Well, let's... I mean, verse 2 is the first thing that I wanted to look at, but I wanted to go through verse 1 real quick um, because of the second half of verse 1. The slaughtering place will be a sprawling square, three amma in height. Sure. And just the amount of conversation going on in the sages about what a square is. (laughs) Yes, this is actually a square. No, you're not mistaken. It is a square. Wow. So... Uh, in case you were wondering, the square dimension is actually very important, and they don't want you to forget it. Um, I mean, okay. Who who knew? Um, I mean, so there is some interesting... There is some interesting shadows behind that word square. I don't know if that's why they're being so precise about it. I went with sprawling square to try to represent that. But um, I can mean to lie down in repose, um, not always in a PG way. Um, and so okay. it could be that they're like, it's just a square. It's just a square because of that. Um, to say, no, no, this is just about the dimensions. Nobody's doing anything sketchy here. Well, some of that was, you know, it says five ama in length and five ama width mm-hmm. and then three ama high. Right. So it's right? not a cube. So but like, it it's a not square. a cube. It is a square. <laughs> but if you actually count the piece that it's sitting on, so sure. from the ground to the top, it's still a square cube. Uh, it's just this particular piece is going to be three ama high. Hmm. But it really is a square. I so mean, there's some there's some different iterations there on on how they make that work. Right. Interesting ish. Uh, <laughs> I will say that uh, having stood next to some altars um, from the Iron Age, if the altars are you know kosher measurements, I am five seven, and they came up to about my shoulder ish. Right. So an ama is, you know, divide, do, do some math, and there's a <laughs> one third of an L. <laughs> right. Is well, and, an ama. and you know, I mean, um, I think it was Ibn Ezra said that, you know, four amas is the height of a person. Okay. So you know, again, that's kind of some guesswork in there of what sure. an ama is. Sure. I guess a person is taller than me. Evidently. Evidently. Okay. So wherever he was living, right, Fine. people were taller. But um, let's keep going. Yeah. I know that we could probably stay in there and talk geometry for a long time. <laughs> could we? <laughs> but verse 2, you will make his horns upon his four faces. From it shall be his horns. You will make him shine with serpentine bronze. 
I'm guessing the from it shall be his horns thing means that it has to be one piece. It has to be one piece. Oh, cool. Me and the rabbis, you know, we just drive all the time. Right. Especially this time. So what's impressive about that, right? You can't make them separately and then afterwards attach it to the altar. It has to be a part of the initial uh, casting of this altar has to include the horn pieces. Right. Which is just an interesting thing to be like, you're going to make this and also, by the way, it's going to be extra hard. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, I like it, though, because do you know why there might be horns on the four faces of the altar, George? Mm-hmm. I could say something, but it's going to be blasphemous. <laughs> what? Of like, you know, you hang your apron on it. Wow, or... I mean, they are going to have aprons later, but... um. But no, first mention of horns in the text. Do, 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 do. Remember? All the way back. Does the ram get its horns caught in the bush? It sure does. Yes. Excellent pull. There we go. Thank so you. therefore, horns are a symbol of salvation, deliverance, escape, okay. and rescue from death at the hand of your dad. Interesting. Uh, and so I think there's something on a horn on each edge, right? Going the four directions. Numerology <clears throat> is something we pay attention to only when we have an easy answer for it. And this is one of those times, four corners of the earth, right? And so the salvation of the Lord, the deliverance, the rescue of our God is competent for all four edges of the world. Yeah. Whatever nice. direction you have gone. Okay, um, and so I think, therefore, oh, the horns have to be an intrinsic part of the altar, you know, not just something you jam on because right. that's also part of the sacrificial thing. But anyway, okay, after that, we've got some fun things. We've got boiling pots for fat. I just call that my bathtub, but whatever. Um, shovels, <laughs> sprinkling. <laughs> you can do it. <laughs> sprinkling vessels, flesh hooks, and snuffers and clinking things. Um, all of this makes sense to me, uh, picking which words to go with, right? I know that there are some discrepancies between the different um, translations, but we've got all these different kinds of sacrifices that I'm sure we'll get to someday um, where you have to boil the animal, right? And there's the fat parts, so... That's what that's for. Yeah. Uh, We got shovels. That's important when you're moving a giant dead animal and ashes. Oh, that's another thing, too. Um, Sprinkling vessel flesh hook snuffers. Um, It's going to come up later. But I was doing some historical reading, as I want to do in my downtime, um, about the religious persecution in Tudor England. Okay. And it had vivid descriptions of the burnings um, of the Tudor dynasty, of which there were very many, Um, an incredible amount, a tyrannical amount. Um, Don't just feel bad for the wives of Henry VIII, um, feel bad for all of the poor Catholics um, and all the people trying to run social work out of their monasteries who who were um, burned horribly for not saying that divorce is okay. So, you know. The things it's worth dying over. Um, But... Like, it's really hard to get the heat high enough in order for the fat off a person or a large animal to to dissolve. Right. And so usually you're left behind with these giant chunks of smelly, gross 
smoking fat. Um, and so shovels are nice because it's very hot too. So the fun, only the funnest of facts here at the Textinus podcast um, of the, what's left behind after you burn something or someone. That is interesting because there was a midrash talking about how Moses had questions for God about the use of bronze. Okay. Uh, saying that, you know, we have to get this really hot, kind of like what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the bronze isn't going to be enough from keeping that heat from just burning the wood underneath. Oh yeah. Uh, so he, you know, he was saying, "How is this going to work? How are we going to how are we going to use bronze and have it work without just burning the temple down?" Uh, <laughs> it's the and, little things. Right, the little things. And the answer to that was, well, uh, obviously Moses, uh, because God, you know, has storehouses of snow and oh, hail sure, sure. in heaven surrounded by the, yeah surrounded by angels and burning fires and it's not melting up there so it's going to be fine over here oh. so it's just kind of like a supernatural right meeting of heaven and earth right yes is the idea well fascinating uh yeah cool Cool. Magical fire, magical snow. I kind of want to get snow duty as an angel, you know. Yeah. <laughs> sitting there. Burning hail. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that sounds cool. Um, okay. We've got snuffers in order to put out our candles. Um, that's the like destruction word that we've talked about before that isn't actually destruction. It's just enclosing something off okay. from everything else. So fun little fact from a previous week for all of the clinking things that you shall make serpentine bronze again i think that serpentine is an eden pole but also a heavenly realm pole because we've got flying snakes in heaven we've got snakes in the garden right so i think it's a pull back to both of those things well and just the use of bronze in general here is interesting because this chapter more so than the ones before is all bronze. bronze yeah. It's going to be bronze, it's going to be bronze, it's going to be bronze, and bronze, 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 bronze. Yep. Versus uh, the previous chapter, right, we saw gold and things around uh, the ark yep. and the Hammered objects inside, gold. right, inside the tent. Um, so it's interesting now that we see this transition to here, you know, one layer out. Now we have all of this bronze right. uh, metals. Um and there's probably some interesting things there. I don't have anything. It's just something that <laughs> occurred to me. Yeah, different layers. You get closer to the color of light, the closer into mm. the Holy of Holies you get. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, you've got a lattice work, a serpentine right. bronze Verse net. Four. That feels a little bit like the hammered vault to me from Genesis 1. Um, right in that yeah, right. space. I like that. Um, but it appears to be to like catch a part of the animal that rolls off of the altar. Right. Um, so it doesn't touch the ground, which feels very like you can't just give away the communion stuff after you're done using it. Like it all has to be caught. Hmm. So, um, that tracks. I never see that in the replicas, by the way, in like the little children's Bible art that I have in my mind. There's no net. There's no flesh catcher. Yeah. And there's only like one horn. (laughs) Come on, children's books. Two. Yeah. I think there's only two horns in my memory, but I could just be making things up now. Not four. Okay. Um, under the edge. And then you're going to take some planks, more loan pieces, not planks, um, and you're going to overlay them with bronze and you're going to put those in the rings to carry the altar around, which that's a job I don't want. 
to be the altar bearer. The yeah, I mean, five ama in length, five ama in width, so right. covered in metal. A super tall person, yeah. block of wood, covered in metal. I'm right. good, man. Um, okay, fascinating though. You will make it hollow with polished slabs, as was shown you in the mountain. Yeah, the uh, sages described that as like hollowed tree trunks. Oh, cool. Um, not that it is a hollowed tree trunk, but it's supposed to be like hollowed tree trunks in its, you know, size to and shape. To make it shape. easier to carry or something? I don't know. Okay. That's a good question. My other question is like, are you using polished slabs to make it hollow? Like that's your fancy equipment that you're using to polish it down. Oh yeah, how is or that? Or are you like lining it with polished slabs because that definitely makes it feel like it would get a lot heavier. Right. That's going to be the word for the tablets that have the Ten Commandments, by the way, luach. Okay. Which is also the word that in modern Hebrew just means like whiteboard. <laughs> Moses came down the hill with, with some whiteboards. Slab. <laughs> I like it. Okay, so it was shown you in the mountain. Always love that team, Moria, forever and always. Um, but now we're making the court. So this is the right. outer area. Yep, verse um, 9. Yeah, and it's going to be surrounded by a bunch of blankies. You know, got to have cozy vibes. Uh, with lots of pillars and lots of pedestals and lots of hooks and lots of links. Yeah, um, which is interesting. Like, what is this linen that they're using? The the Midrash, again, described it interestingly as having a bunch of holes in it. Okay. Um, uh, but I couldn't quite figure out what the purpose of doing it that way would be. But they seem to think that it was fancier. To have holes. To have the holes. Okay. Um. You know, and maybe it has to do with wind. Oh, yeah. You like know? you don't want to blow over You don't want a big whole... sail to like pull your whole tent out of the ground. Yeah, and there goes the presence of the Lord into the ocean. Right. <laughs> that would be a bummer, uh, both physically and metaphorically. Um, that makes sense to me. And I can imagine it being like tricky slash fancy to weave holes in deliberately. Um from my very limited crafting experience. Uh, I did want to bring in one thing because we've had these different images that to me are a nice picture of what has to be come together in order to create an abiding place with God on earth. Mm. And we've seen stuff like friendship. We've seen masculine and feminine things. We've seen um, thoughtfulness, I think is going to be a motif that's going to come up soon. The word for links there. Yeah. Um, it, I could not figure out a way to work this into the definition or the okay. English translation. Okay, verse 10, the links of silver. Yes. Um, so it's partially what we're using to hang up our giant sheets. Right, um, our sail. Our sail. Uh, it's the word for long for, uh, or desire, like, uh, Hamor of Shechem. Are who everybody's favorite character, um, right? <laughs> Dina's boyfriend, hopefully. Um, so I think that's fascinating. Real bro. <laughs> I mean, very much so. But, but okay, the idea that longing for something and desiring something is a part of the abiding place of God, I love because in our post enlightenment, sad, um, hyper rational world where we pretend 
that we are just brains and bottles um, and that we have free will, but we don't have desires because that would be unholy, which is very, very silly. Free will is not a Hebrew concept. Um, it's a different soapbox for a different time. And I know that because you're <laughs> grinning at me from across the table knowingly. Right. Um, yes. But anyway, moving on. Um, But we do have this idea that desires are wrong, that we shouldn't have desires, that God doesn't have desires, right? That uh, desires are inherently naughty and and, uh, outlandish, and that it's better just to be like sad little slaves until we fall off the face of the earth and go to heaven. Um, But instead, God says that uh, he desires us to trust him and that he will give us the desires of our heart right so desires uh god has lots of desires for it's in us the text. it's in the text go read it um fight with me about it later but we see this desire worked into the building of the abiding place yeah. um part of the character of god that when he didn't design things statically but dynamically right okay now we've got some pillars (laughs) verse 11 (laughs) taking me by the hand and saying no to the philosophy for the day we've got so many pillars um and pedestals to go with them uh i will point out the width of the court from the east um of the east rather we talked about two episodes ago that they do always face the east to catch the morning sun Mm -hmm. the dawn um the neuroscience uh, fans out there will love that too the early um what is that close angle light never mind shout out to my people um okay so we've got that. They're all hanging there. And then we have a gate for the court, which is the same as the gate for the actual tabernacle, right? Um, in that we have another woven hedge. Right. Verse 16. Uh, 20 ama, which seems extraordinarily long, going with the four as maybe, you know, a six-foot person. Um, yeah. That's huge. Right. And it's has that same formula that we've seen um repetitively that all of a sudden we have the weaver pop up you know it's interesting we were talking in the previous chapter i think it was you that brought up the fact that these gates are not really very good gates because it's just a tapestry (laughs) right right yes um but one of the interesting things i was reading about is the the description of and i believe this was rashi the description of solomon's temple okay he ends up making these gates out of solid wood Wow. Like big, heavy, you know, gate gates. Yeah, yeah. Um, And just the difference there between that fact of like those gates keep people out. Right, right. Um, I'd be interested to read about whether that kind of gate is the modern kind of gate at, by which we mean door, you know, door mm-hmm. for an opening or whether it's talking about the gate that we usually see in the Bronze and Iron Age that has rooms inside of it. Um because that has a like little abiding place for people. Um, but just having a giant wooden door is definitely a more ominous, exclusive energy, which certainly by that time, boy, are we getting there, right? King right. Josiah being like, nope, <laughs> Eli's hangout, Shmuel's hangout, these different places where we have altars for the Lord, those are all done. We're only having them in Jerusalem, right? right. Hezekiah, Josiah, all those guys doing reform. So that would match that energy um, 
but I would have to go and check the word if it's Sha'arim or if it's Dalet or whatever. All right, we have got more pedestals. So many, so many pedestals. Um, more hooks, <laughs> more linen. Can you imagine how much time it would take to make all of this to stuff? To weave all of it. It's an incredible labor of love. Yes, yes. literally. Um, very communal. Yes. Right? Yeah. But this is like year right. in my mind. But anyway. also interesting, you know, considering that the Israelites were the craftsmen of Egypt. Mm, right? Sure. At least of bricks. <laughs> I um, don't know if bricks like directly translates to weaving. Well, so, I mean, it, it kind of depends on how you look at the archaeological record of what they were doing in Egypt, because a lot of it appeared to have to do with the uh, carving of tombs, right, uh, for a long period of time. Um, I wouldn't know. I only know what's in the text. Well, if you want more information, Ray Vanderlyn has an excellent series on the Exodus um, that uh, I'm pretty sure is still available for purchase. Uh, um, you can look it up. But uh, he was showing these fascinating locations where the slaves in Egypt would live. And, and during the uh, seasons that they were not working in the fields because the fields were flooded, um, the cities were located next to like the tombs of the pharaohs, mm-hmm. right? And so they would go and they would work in the tombs doing the carvings and all the intricate work and the painting. Um, and one of the interesting things is you see that also in the homes that they made for themselves mm. uh, is that because they were doing it for themselves, they incorporate some of that art- art- artistic work into their own houses. So um, some interesting stuff there. You yeah. know, there's a, we kind of look at that whole 400 year period and see it always as like what happens at the very end. Oh, sure. Right. Um, and that's not, you know, that's a transition that happens. There's a long period of time in which, right. yes, they are serving the Pharaoh in Egypt. Before um, he forgot about Yosef. Right. Um, but uh, even in the time of Yosef, right, we see Yosef make that move where even the Egyptians are servants of Pharaoh now. Uh, right. Right. So um, there's some interesting interplay there that's worth looking into. So Okay. Well... Learn new things every day. Last little section we have here. For all the clinking things of the abiding place, in all his service, all the pins of the court, serpentine bronze, you will command the sons of Yisrael. I think it's funny, by the way, those pins just get thrown in at the last second. Like we've had this, make this, make this, make this, make this, set it up this way and this way and this way and this way. And then all the pins, by the way, (laughs) make sure they're bronze too. Um... You will command the sons of Israel. They will bring you clear, pressed olive oil for the light. Um, that pressed is a little bit stronger than just pressed. It's, you know, trampled. Um, and there's something in there, obviously, other than just the way that you make olive oil. But like the source of light comes through <laughs> being trampled, right? I think there's something in it. Yeah, interesting. There was some conversations around that of like uh, pressing it is different than crushing it. Oh. Um, because of the uh, process, like when you crush it, you end up getting 
you know, different Put your bits. Pit and in there, yeah, yeah, exactly. You don't want little pieces of the seed inside of your foot, your olive oil. Sure. Um, and so to get this pure olive oil, they would let the olives ripen on the tree. Okay. Um, and so they would collect it later and then they'd take it down and they would press it first uh, to get that pure, you know, what they considered here, that right, that sure. pure olive oil. Sure. Uh, and then they could take the rest and they could crush it and use it for other areas in the temple that don't need it to be pure, like for the... I forget what they list, but there's other areas in which you use oil for different purposes other than the lamps. Fascinating. Um, they, they would they would then use the leftovers. The best stuff goes for the for the lamps for the lamps. The that lamp. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so I lived in the on the roof of a monastery in the middle of the central park of Jerusalem, and. Uh, olive season was always really loud because the Palestinian families would come with like giant blankets and start shaking all the trees um, to get the olives down. But they were definitely not ripe. I know because I grabbed one off the ground because they're absolutely mm. everywhere and they were not palatable. That <laughs> um, I have no idea what those were going to be used for. So um, fascinating. But it was a fun time of year. Raining olives. Um, okay. They will bring you clear pressed olive oil for the light. By the way, from when? From where? I went to say whence and cut myself off. Where do they get these olives, you mean? Yes. Like, they're on the Sinai Peninsula, right? Famously, not a super fertile, lovely area. Maybe this is talking about when they're in the land. Um, but did somebody bring... Maybe they had some with them Bring at the time. It with them, right? Because you've got to be able to have light somehow, I guess. Um, to send up the oil lamp always. If you go to a synagogue now, there will be a always burning light. Um, and quite a few church traditions, Christian um, denominations do the same. Yeah, although was, usually it's electric and lame. It was interesting because the NRSV said regularly regularly which is like <laughs> that's not quite the same that's hilarious always too hard regularly we can do that once a year who knows once a week who knows that's entertaining uh in the tent of meeting outside by the way that word for meeting there um is more like of regularly appointed times okay which is interesting outside for the barrier which is before the testimonies, Aaron and his sons shall prepare it. Probably talking about this oil lamp, by the way, right. still not the tent of meeting. From evening until morning, big Genesis 1 pole right there. Right. The, uh, fascinating that, right, just like you said, it's evening until morning, not morning till evening. Right. Yeah. Tamid, yeah. always. Um, okay. Evening until morning before the face of Adonai, before the face of Yahweh. Um, always interesting to me how often God's face is mentioned. Um, mm. I think when we delete a face and change it to presence of, um, we lose something of that, of like God's very present presence. <laughs> you know, if you're like, oh yeah, the presence of God, you can kind of imagine that to be a nice feeling when you walk by the tent or whatever. But the face of Yahweh is just chilling out while you make your olive oil. I have no idea how literal or not that is, but it feels more significant than presence. Right. 
a carved statute vanishing eternity for their eras which is an interesting distinction because later like first on the holidays we're gonna see for all eras hmm. but here we have for their eras interesting whose eras are on the sons not sure from the sons of Yisrael yeah I mean the Midrash talks about this as being right for the sons of Abraham specifically um and uh, they kind of tie that into why, like, it's acacia wood that they're using because of the tie-ins to acacia trees and Abraham. Oh, um, in the story of Abraham is our acacia trees. Um, they're taking Genesis 18, uh, where uh, Abraham is entertaining the angels sure. before Saddam and Amara, Amara, as one does. Right, and and saying that those are acacia trees. Um, okay. And then... It just says one tree, by the way. In Genesis 18, it doesn't right. say what kind of tree it is. It just right. says... Under the eight. tree. Yeah. Yeah, um, and they're also linking it to... Uh, you know, they do a couple of jumping around. So there's some references from Song of Solomon. Okay. Um, and uh, a couple of other things, but... I would do a jesus poll because why not uh obviously that's not going to be in there but um the verb form of acacia means to scourge or to whip so Hmm. you can talk about the crucifixion of jesus and how his death was making a new abiding place for god on earth interesting yeah um i mean there's the feels like should have gotten a bigger reaction for that (laughs) (laughs) could you take that again wow thanks now i feel like a three-year-old just what i (laughs) hoped for okay go ahead um well they take the the song of solomon references who is this that cometh up out of the wilderness okay Um, sure uh which has some john the baptist vibes leading Mm. into jesus but like a spicier spicier yeah um but they have an interesting thing they say about the altar made of acacia um in that they say that mitzbeah altar am i saying that okay what is it mitzbeah mitzbeah uh is an acronym uh the mem standing for mehila so okay. pardon. Okay. The Zayin stands for Zekut, which they say is merit. The Bet for Beracha, blessing. And the Het for Hayim, which is life. Um, I can't even hold all of those in my head. Um, something merit, something Mehila, life. pardon, Zekut, merit. Uh, bet is for Beracha, for <laughs> blessing. Okay. And the het is for Hayim, for life. I mean, the fact that you can introduce this midrash without giggling to me says something. <laughs> but, I mean, if I had a place of slaughter as part of my worship practice, I would also want to rebrand. So I get that, because that's what it actually means. It's Bach being slaughter. Um, so, okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, there you have it, folks. That is the tabernacle construction. We have done it together. How lovely. Um, Coming up, we have the very exciting fashion choices that God makes on behalf of Aaron and his family. Uh, There are some surprises. Let's just say that. Some, Some conflict, 
some controversy and a lot of glitter. Yeah, it's going to be a regular old fashion show. We're going to set up a strip to walk down. Yeah. And uh, lots of glitter. Yep, absolutely. All right. If you have questions, comments, or concerns, email them in to textinnotes at gmail.com, and we will save them up for a mailbox episode. This has been the Text and Us podcast. Thank you so much for joining us, and we hope that you will join us again next time for Exodus chapter 28. Bye!